Off the Balls League of Ireland podcast. Hey, it's Jamie Moore here. You're very welcome to the Off the Ball League of Ireland podcast. Thanks for joining me. Coming up over the next hour or so, we're going to bring you an exclusive interview with Stephen Henderson, the former Waterford and Cove manager, now the head of youth development at Shelburne, who's the man heading up the plans to form a league manager's association for League of Ireland managers and coaches. So Hendo will be here in just a second. We'll chat to the Shamrock Rovers head coach Stephen Bradley after their Dublin Derby win in front of over 7,000 fans against Bohemians at Tallis Stadium on Friday. Hear from a very disappointed new Cork City manager Neil Fenn over his team's defending. They've conceded six goals in his two home games so far in two defeats. The Ireland women's national team have a new manager and we're going to hear from Vera Paw in a few minutes' time plus the former interim manager Tom O'Connor and players Louise Quinn and Katie McCabe of course who formerly played in the League of Ireland both now playing for Arsenal. That's all on the way in the League of Ireland podcast so let's get the show on the road with Mr Stephen Henderson. Off the Balls League of Ireland podcast. You're on the Off the Ball League of Ireland podcast. It's Jamie Moore here. We found a nice quiet office in the AUL and we're here with the Shelburne head of youth development Stephen Henderson, Stephen former Waterford and Cove manager um, and also is the man heading up the imminent arrival, we hope, of the League Managers Association for the uh, League of Ireland Clubs. And Hendo, of course, one of the uh, best dress managers on the sidelines as well, but he's in a shell's tracksuit today. Hendo, thank you for having the chat. How are you? Thanks very much. Lovely short, Jamie. I see my brother here earlier. <laughs> Two of you are fighting it out there, kid. Well done. For once, I've outdressed you. You've outdressed a lot of people with that short on you today, kid. Well done. Very proud of you. Great stuff. Steve, it's the first time we've spoken since uh, you left Cove and you became the Shells head of uh, youth development and also you're involved in this, uh, I suppose, the hopes of this new League of Managers Association. Firstly, just leaving Cove and to move to Shells, how did it all that come about? Because it happened quite quickly. You were gone from Cove and then a couple of days later you, you, were, you were joining Shells. Yeah, well, I was quite fortunate to get back into it very quickly and that's the truth, Jamie, because um, when I left uh, Cove, I, I had a holiday booked as you would do because it was the break in the League of Ireland season and then it was just during that break I had a conversation with, with Dave O'Connor and my brother Dave Henderson and uh, it's something that excited me it was something that um, you know that I have seen when I was manager at Cove because we brought an awful lot of young players through you could see certain things that I would have preferred they had so it was an opportunity for me to go and put a, a structures in place and help young players but more importantly help young coaches who are coming through the system and, uh, you know, so it was a great opportunity. We sat down, had a great discussion. And we've been at it now for the last six, seven weeks. And we hope to be in a position to roll the whole programme out within the next two to three weeks. So it would be brilliant. I'll be looking forward to that. Yeah, I loved your photo on Twitter on the night of your um, last match with Cove. You just took an image of the changing room, clean, empty. The match was over. It was your last match. I think you only told your players on the night that you were going to leave. And it was a nice way to kind of end it, just having a moment in the dressing room on your own when everybody was gone. Yeah, I was good. Uh, I was, I was genuinely good at it because uh, I put an awful lot of time and effort into it and you don't get pats on the back when you do that in League of Ireland football. I think anybody will tell you that. Uh, really wasn't looking for pats on the back. Well, I wasn't looking for kick up the arses either and I felt I was just getting a few of them. So, uh, you know, I kind of sensed that, you know, there was a new group that come in. I knew this group that were coming in. I knew the people involved. I knew the people who were staying and I knew this was a situation that wasn't going to work out well for me, to be honest with you. I would have I had to do a little bit more fighting than I, than I wanted to do. So I just said, right, enough's enough. Uh, let someone else come in there. Stewie and Decky were well prepared to step in there, let's say. So uh, they've done well since, uh, and I wish them all the very best of luck. Yeah, it's a very new project at Shelburne with a new owner, a new chief executive, a new first team manager or head coach, as Ian Morris's title is. Um, your brother Dave very heavily involved in the recruitment. I think his title is head of football and, and you're involved in the academy thing. So what excited you about getting involved in what is a very new Shelburne, as, as far as I can see anyway? Yeah, it is. I think Andrew Doyle is the, is the owner and Andrew has... Uh, he's He just has a fantastic imagination in terms of where a football club should be. And if you sit down and you talk to him, he's just full of enthusiasm. Genuinely, Jamie, he's just full of enthusiasm. And you can't get enough of those kind of people in League of Ireland football, to be honest with you. And if you look at Dave O'Connor, Dave O'Connor's come in and Dave Henderson, and they're seeing how difficult it is for a League of Ireland club, but the two of them have managed to put a, a really good uh, piece together for the club. You know, they've really took it on and embraced it. Uh, so I think it's the enthusiasm from Andrew that, that follows through. Uh, you know, not just with the, the senior team. The senior team getting promoted is a huge thing. They haven't done it yet. I hope I haven't put the markers on them there now. But, uh, you know, it looks like they're going to get themselves in. So even Shelburne being a Premier team is a huge step for them. Been trying to do it for years. I think they will do it this year. Great young coach, great group of players, great backroom staff. So I think they're going to do it. 
and then what's been done within this um, high performance environment is what we're calling it in terms of the underage structures, not just with League of Ireland but with the DDSL and with the, the women's uh, National League teams and our underage women's teams. So we're putting everything together. Uh, you know, the facilities out here in the AOL are fantastic, as you can see, we're out here today. Uh, so we're pulling everything together and then on top of that we want to really branch out into community initiatives. So there's a ton of stuff been done and it was really exciting Jamie and Shells itself, it's it's completely different. Do you know what I mean? In, ge in general, not just what you're seeing on the pitch. Yeah, Everybody will look at the force team and say yeah, that's going really well. Uh, they were very unfortunate in the cup, they're winning the league, it's been fantastic. But what's going on underneath the tip of that iceberg is phenomenal. It's been brilliantly led by the, by the man who owns the place. And then we have a group of uh, soldiers beneath that that are doing our best. And hopefully within the next uh, you know, few months, people will start to see the benefits. Yeah, we hear all the time different people in football clubs have different titles. Your title is Head of Youth Development. What does your role involve? And if I was asked you to describe what you actually do and, and your, your influence and input into the academy and the DDSL and the Women's League, as you mentioned. Yeah, I think uh, it's called Head Development. You know, I don't really put much mass on uh, what you call it, what what your title is to be honest with you do you know what I mean because like if you, you can give yourself one title and all of a sudden you're going to need to have a license for it so we have to be careful what we call ourselves you know what I mean we've been kind of educating ourselves in the coaching system for the last 15 and then all of a sudden you need another one so you know so what it is basically I, my, my main input here would be in terms of setting up a program and, and helping the coaches that are here we have some very young coaches who are starting out on the ladder and while these, the, the, the coaching is brilliant and there's an awful, it's very academic. I think you'll know that yourself. It's become very academic and what, what's been done. So what we're trying to do is, is just take that academic and put a bit more realism to it. And from the experience that I had at League of World and Football, you know, not everything works on the computer or works on the pitch and the same with the tactics board. Just give them uh, the kind of experience that I've garnered over the last 10 years. I've managed over 400 games, I found out there the other day in League of World and Football. So I have to be able to give something back. So my role, along with Barrow Sullivan, who's with me, Barrow's with me in Cove, absolutely phenomenal young man. So himself, Ken Kieran, uh, Kieran, we have three lads who, who are helping me set up the different centres within the club. We broke it up into three sections, like a centre of development for our small-sided games, centre of excellence for the mid-ages, the mid -ages, and then obviously the high performance for the rest of them. So we broke it up, and all our training is going to be relative to the age and to the, to the quality of the players that we have there. And then hopefully what we'll be able to do is bring um, a couple of players through to the senior team. Some may go away, some may not, some may go play junior football, but it's just to give them that kind of environment to grow and be the best they can be. And then what we want to do is to tie that in, and we will be tying that in with the women's football. So we want to kind of create a really kind of holistic... So I was going to call it. I'm struggling with hostile, a hostile, a hostile environment. <laughs> <laughs> so that atmosphere, right? So uh, we've done that, and I think we're all pulling together now in the same direction. Obviously, there's a, there has to be a culture change, Jamie. Like there's a lot of managers who are very set in their way, and that's the way they've done it. So like you know, we have to get them to open up and say, look, we need to change that a little bit. We don't want you to lose your individuality, but we have a plan here. We need to work within that. And in fairness, most of them have. Some of them will. Yeah, and you're also still living full-time and working in Cove, Stephen, but you've been, every weekend I've been at a match here, you've been here, so you've been up and down the road. You're obviously the job of a football manager or a manager of a, of a section of a club, but lots of it's done on the phone and on emails and stuff, but you've been up here quite a lot watching the teams and, you know, as much as possible being around here when, when the big games are on. Yeah, because it's important because we want to see the progress of the players. Like, obviously, under the remit of me, like, would be uh, under 13s, 15s, 17s. Um, the 19s so that that would be uh, you know in terms of um, the, the development plan that we're putting in place uh, we're here to have a look at the coaches to have a look at their training methods see how they fit in with what we're going to be looking to put in you know what we're not saying we're, we don't want to take that individuality away from the, the, the coaches Jamie what we want to do is put guidelines in for them in order for this this particular model to work but we don't want to strip them bare. We say, yeah, please be ourselves, but do it within the guidelines of this. And if you can improve this, by all means, come and tell us. Do you know what I mean? This isn't a closed shop. We want to improve it all the time. And they're the people who are going to improve it for us. So it's important that we get up and see, see how the teams are structured, see how the teams are playing. And then obviously look at the players. How are the players coming on? Do you know what I mean? If we look at a player who's at their playing five or six games and we see, is there an improvement to him over those six, seven games? Brilliant. We're doing something right. If he isn't, we're doing something wrong. The player's not, we are. So we have to look at that and say, how do we get the best out of him? So, so it's, it's, it's brilliant, to be honest with you. 
And just lastly on Shells, before we speak about the uh, League Managers Association, uh, of course, if Shells get promoted, Ian Morris doesn't have his pro licence at the moment. He's not on the current pro licence. You do have a pro licence too. And the first thing I thought when you were named was you would be able to be named as first team manager in name to get Shells through that loophole. What's your understanding of what will happen next season? Shells are five points clear with three games left. Expect him to go watch them beat Longford at the weekend. But Ian Morris can't entitle be the manager because he doesn't have the, the piece of paper that, that, says he, that, that says he can be. That's complete madness, isn't it? Uh, do you know it's complete madness that uh, your A license is good enough for the fourth division, uh, but it's not good enough for the Premier. It's madness because uh, these so if the likes of Ian Morris going out and doing what he's done. I don't think Tim Clancy has his pro license, and, and I don't think um, Neil has his pro license. So those three clubs were really pushing the. So what's the reward for that manager? Is he losing his job? Of course, he's not going to lose his job, and it's something that we want to the League Managers Association and coaches because we want coaches involved in this. Uh, that's something that we want to be part of. We want to be part of this decision-making process. It's going to have a huge effect on coaches going forward and managers going forward. That you know, is it right to have a? Pro- I think it's the right thing to have a pro license coach within your football club. But does he have to be the manager of the team? I don't think so. I think there's. I think once you have your A license coach, uh, who knows it's all about the quality of football. That's what it is, and then he being guided off the field by a pro license coach. That's it. But there's no way a young manager should be punished for winning in the league. It just makes no sense to me, and that's something that we want to sit down and discuss. Can I help in any way? The club has never been mentioned to me. It's never been said to me that we want your pro license for next year. That's the guy's honest truth. It's never been said to me. It's never been discussed. I've come in here. I have a job here. And I'm doing my job here. Ian has a job there. He's doing a fantastic job there. If it comes to the situation that Shells need to sit down and have a chat with me, we'll certainly sit down and have a chat because there's no way Ian Morris is going to be punished for winning the league. It's ridiculous. Yeah, so if Shells do what you might see Hendo, at least in name as the manager, but probably uh, Ian Morris still in charge, as you see, with Dundalk and some other clubs. No, and also yeah, Cork. Right. Ian Morris will be in charge yeah, next year, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, and same in Cork at the moment as well, although Neil Fenn could be name manager, but he's still on the pro licence, and I don't know how that works, so that won't be over till May, and he has 90 days, and it's all just a bit of a mess, but I'm sure it's something that your new organisation might look to, to help and out. That's and exactly it, Jamie. I'll call you Amy, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> My daughter's name, Amy. Uh, you know, that's exactly it. I think, I think there is no consultation process there for coaches. Do you know what I mean? When all these decisions are getting made at, at, at the higher level, you know, the, nobody's asking the coaches or the managers what do you think. And, and this is the consequence. This is mayhem. This is carnage. Do you know what I mean? And, and it's, there's enough going on in Irish football for something very simple as this not to be happening. Do you know what I mean? So we want to have that process that we can sit down and explain this is, this is the issue with your pro licence for League of Ireland Premier Division I think you can manage in the championship in England which are A licence like the championship in England although it's the second tier in England it's one of the top leagues in the world but you can manage in there so you know sometimes we get a little bit of ahead of ourselves here we have to realise clubs have been asked to realise where you are you know on the food chart here we have to realise where we are as a food chart and an A licence coach is more than, quali- more than qualified to manage a team in the Premier Division here but equally, I do agree with the pro license thing because it's the pro license is a completely different license, Jamie. As you as you will know, as you will well know, you know it's it is about the the inner sanctums of the club, how the club is run. Uh, you know what I mean? It's all about community work. It's 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 how the clubs are run, not the team. And I do believe there is a place for that, and it could be a way clubs save money rather than going out and paying huge money for commercial managers and this kind of stuff. You could actually get a pro license coach in there who could give be the be a mentor for 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 the young coach, but also uh, you know bring in all the business side of it and all the acumen and all the experience it has from visit, uh, visiting clubs all over Europe. I'm very interested in this uh, hopeful formation of this League Managers Association and Stephen Hill, the first meeting of it. Uh, I'm not sure the exact time, but probably a couple of months ago at this stage, a lot of the managers involved uh, in both the Premier, the First Division and the Women's National League were invited. How, have, how, how, I suppose, how were things at that meeting and, and how have things gone from then until now? Because I know you've been involved in some meetings with No Mooney and, and people in the FAI and, and you're hopeful that this can take the next step soon. Well, no, we'll definitely be taking the next step. Uh, we had a meeting a couple of months ago in Port Leash and we had a great turnout. The managers that weren't there genuinely couldn't be there but we had an 80% turnout and it was magnificent uh, the women's national league coaches were invited we got responses from about six or seven of them that really wanted there's only eight of them but there was six of them contacted us said they really wanted to be there but couldn't be there so we need to keep them in the loop because we want to uh, you know the the national league is the most important league in this country so that's what we were starting with uh, we needed to start on a relatively small base but we want this to grow to incorporate not just managers but coaches the whole we want this to be a huge 
association, a huge organisation. Do you know what I mean? That we can we can start getting onto. We had a chat with uh, Noel Mooney and Donald Conway. It was a very productive chat. Um, you know, we wanted to lay out. This is what we want from it. This is how we believe we can be of benefit, not just to the FAI, but to Irish football in general. As we were saying, other things we were looking at was fixtures. You know, like you know, we know Michael Hayes has a hard job there, but we're saying we're not coming in here to offer more problems. We're actually coming in here to offer solutions to this, because we're actually man, we were at the cold face of this. We see how it affects us, so we have feedback to give you. Uh, other things we need to probably look at is the likes of players have standard contracts. We need to start getting that in for managers. Managers are unquestionably the hardest working people in a football club and I'm sorry if I'm disrespecting anybody but I'm telling you they work really really hard in so many different facets of the club and you know they can be just dismissed like that and, and we need to get some form of protection in for them but not just for them I think we've seen in recent events it protects the club as well so uh, you know th these are the kind of things that we really want to talk about these are the things that are not going to hurt Irish football they're going to improve Irish football they're going to improve the conditions for both managers and players, the PFEI have done a great job with the players. We're looking for similar that we can do for, for managers and coaches in this country, for not just men, but women. Because Women's National League has taken off great. Underage football and the women has taken off great. They're going to need some form of representation. So if we're all in this together and we're all go forward as equals, then we become a strong body. Then we can start looking and we want to, we want to get involved with the, the council on FEI level and we want to get involved with some of these football committees that are popping up. Just the way the PFEI done and they've done great. Uh, we need to be at that level as well so as we can all collectively have a real voice on what happens in Irish football and bring it forward because I think there's been enough bad news, hasn't there, Jamie? It really has. It really has been enough bad news for Irish football. So the more good people that we can get in there from a football background, a football context, and start uh, you know, trying to put really positive initiatives to bring it forward, more importantly, start looking after coaches. You go out and you spend thousands of euros on your coaching badge, don't you? We all do. We've all spent a fortune on them. Are we rewarded in this country? No. There's a real uh, sense of, uh, you know, they'll do it for nothing for us. You know, they should be grateful that we have them coming into these clubs. And that, and that's that's a mindset that needs to change. It's a very amateur mindset. So we're crying out for uh, professionalism and we want we want respect from different clubs and different countries and different nations. You know, I mean, we have to pay our coaches. We have to look at a way that, you know, if a club takes a qualified person in, whether that's a man or a woman who spent a fortune educating themselves, we have to reward them in some way. And that's what we want to try and do by getting a bigger body together as we possibly can. That, that all those voices become one voice and we can go and we can discuss this in a positive manner. If you're wondering why Stephen Henderson is running this uh, LMA, you now know because that was a, a really excellent summary of what you hope to do and, and the issues you, you feel are facing your know, managers and coaches in the country as well. Now we have seen in recent weeks and months and years that the FAI haven't been overly friendly with the PFAI. That has changed in recent times thankfully and I know Stephen McGuinness and Noel Mooney are on good terms and that seems to be changing as well. How receptive have the FAI been to this idea and does something need to be signed or you know, what's the next step for, it, for the LMA to actually happen and for it to be recognised by the FAI? Well, what, what we needed to do was, uh, very quickly, when we met in Port Leash, very quickly we realised, okay, it's great having this meeting and it's great something that we want to do, but we've actually nothing set up here. So, so very, very quickly, uh, Tommy Barrett, uh, you know, Tommy's brilliant. Tommy's on this committee with myself, Collie, Pat Devlin, Barrow Sullivan. So we're, we're, we're an interim committee. Uh, at the moment, representing the players while we put stuff together. We went to the FAI and it was very positive. Noel Mooney, in fairness to him, he, he's been great. I was at the summit. I'm not sure if you were at yeah, it, but the summit, the summit was fantastic. He was brilliant uh, in how he, you know, he, he pulled it all together. Very, very charming. But, you know, is Noel staying here? Uh, you know, that's the question. You know, it's, it's, you know I love Mooney now. I do, and I loved him before that. He was great with me when he was in UEFA. Uh, so I have a lot of time for Mooney anyway, but like, is he is he doing this because he's going back to UEFA in six months? You know, so we need something that's uh, really um, sustainable from Noel. But he was brilliant. He sat down. Donald Conway, Donald Conway, come under an awful lot of stick, I think. And the truth is, after I seen them in the Oireachtas and I seen the way he was hung out to dry, I sent him an email that day, uh, you know, telling him. You know, you've done well there, boy. You're left out hung, hung to dry. I think Conway's heart is in the right place. He's either getting caught up in a situation. That's his fault, nobody else's, but he is a genuine football man. And he was there, and he was very supportive. And he knows that we have to get those terms of references right. 
that we that we quickly went through and we have to get a constitution up and run. So we're in the process of getting that done at the moment. The FAI were great in offering resources towards us. Uh, you know, they sounded like they were going to be very supportive towards us, which is brilliant. Everything that we wanted to hear, we heard. We still have a bit of work to do. That's why we haven't launched it. When we get the constitution uh, nailed down and when we get our terms of reference a little bit stronger than what they are now and we get... Uh, you know, then we get all the, the the managers back in, the 28 managers from the Force Premier and the Women's National League, get them all in, sit down, sign off on these, get a full committee in, uh, you know, a full-time committee in that's there, not an interim one, and, uh, and then we start progressing. We'll go and have another meeting with the FAI, and then hopefully we can start pushing for these these places on council and on, on committees, and then hopefully as a group and as an organisation, we can really grow and start putting these professional structures in place that the young coaches of this country really, really deserve because they, they do so much for nothing. It's about time someone stood up for them. Stephen, our last two, because I know you're heading off to an anniversary mass for your dad. You mentioned that it's the 20 managers in the league and the eight women's national league managers. What if a manager, for example, in the case of last week, UCD, you mentioned that... Colin O'Neill is on your uh, yeah. your micro committee, but he's now not a manager. You're not a manager yourself. So how does that work for people? You know, Martin Russell is another example uh, for people who who aren't a manager at the time, but might get a job or might get sacked in the middle of a season. How does that actually work for them well, to be allowed to be members? Well, what happened was is that we just needed to get the current group together to put everything together. This would be open to everybody. This would be open. You know, as soon as we have all the procedures in place, then it would be all it's it's open. Then Martin Russell, yeah, come in, because we want to be a voice for them as well. We want we have a website ready to go. Uh, obviously, we'll have to start all the social media stuff with the Twitters and the Facebooks and the and and the Instagrams. There's probably other shit out there I don't know about, but anyway, we have to get all that up and running. And then what we want to do is we want to become a voice for managers who are not in work. Can we help them get work? Can we get them more something outside of football? Can we get companies around the, around the country to bring these people in? And and because I don't think there's a better problem solver in Ireland than a League of Ireland manager. And you know what I mean? If he puts his he puts his thoughts down into a PowerPoint uh, presentation, uh, you know I think there'll be a lot of major companies want to listen to this because you know you you have very little resources, very little infrastructure around you, and then if you can go out and be successful. You know, that's something people want to hear about, you know what I mean? Because a lot of organisation, there's backroom staff, you know, there's a lot of problem solving in it, you know what I mean? And then you're doing it in front of a crowd that th seem to think they pay 15 euros in, so they have every right to call you every name under the sun. So to do it under that kind of environment as well, but to bring that into multinationals and even small companies, do you know what I mean? I so that's what we want to try and do for all the managers as well. That's just an aside, but obviously try and get them back into football. More importantly, get them paid. Lastly, Hendo, you're very well placed to comment on the future of Irish football. That sounds like a big question, but you've managed in the first division, you've been around the Premier, you'll be around the Premier again next season, and all your family has too. We've had these debates about all Ireland leagues versus the League of Ireland getting better, and we have Noel Quinn, and we have Kieran Lucid, and we have the FAI, and Fran Gavin, and all of these people. I'm sure you've been you know, an interested spectator as to all of the debate and, and the comment on what's been happening. Nothing has been signed, sealed or delivered. If you could have a, a wand to wave it, what choice would you make on, on the future of, of where things are going? Because it does feel like we're at a crossroads at the moment. It is at a crossroads. I think you were at the summit as well. I think uh, the lucid proposal was magnificent. I think the, the what you call it, like the, the research that went into it and the information he was given back, you could see that there was an awful lot of thought put into it. Uh, I do believe that is the way to go forward because we are churning out uh, your way for qualified coaches here with nowhere for them to go. Uh, but also, not only in the coaching capacity, it, it, it's, a, it's a way forward for players because, you know, Linfield, I think, proved, Jordan, I, I never felt Northern Irish football was as bad as people down here are making it out to be. It's a very physical league uh, with some quality footballers in it, to be brutally honest with you. So I knew it wasn't going to weaken anything. But I do think that is the way forward. That like a Shamrock Rovers and a Linfield Derby is, is you know that's or you know any but that that's a real lovely tasty, uh, for for people to go to. It's going to different grounds around the country. Uh, you know some of the stadiums up the north are fantastic, and that's the truth. They were ahead of them, us when I played up there. Two or three years ago, or whatever. Okay, it was. 40 years ago, was it? Yeah, I was just going to say, you, what, you played up there, I didn't know that. Yeah, I played up there for five years. Okay. I should have done my research better. No, but I played up there for five years, so I would have known about it. And the stadium up there was, was, was lovely at the time, like Windsor Park, the Oval. 
I know they got old, but it was just lovely old football grounds, you know, proper proper football grounds. But I do think, uh, having listened to uh, both, Lucid definitely has a plan there together that will, you know, increase uh, the quality of the league, will increase the tendencies at the ground, will increase the amount of um, elite football teams at, at, at um, adult level across the board, uh, especially the way they have the, the regional sections set out and the promotion relegation. It, it really, uh, I, th- I, think, I think it covers everything, to be brutally honest with you. And if he's getting the money that he's talking about, you know, that's a great resource. You know, clubs will only keep getting better and better all the time. So I think, yeah, I think yeah, the Quinn thing was more about a resource, wasn't it, Jamie? They, they, they kept using the word resource. There was no real plan for Irish football. It, it, it just like, like, if you look at the, the, the people he was mentioning, the people that were at that meeting, it was phenomenal. The quality of people, the brain power that was there. If, if they could get themselves onto FAI councils and into boards and into different committees, that, that's best. That's great for Irish football because these are really intelligent people. You know what I mean? So I think I think the two could work. Like if you can get the lucid idea across the board, and you get Quinn's group in in some capacity to to in terms of how Irish football run. You know, we're only going that way. Clubs: Shells, Dundalk, Limerick, Lisburn, Distillery, St James's Gate, Cove, Ards, and Finn Harps from back to front. Did I miss any? Wikipedia is great in, when you're in a in need of a quick bit of research. I thought that was the formation of a new league. Is that who I actually played for? You played for according to that. You yeah, managed Cove. Holy shit. Did I play with all them? So that's what it says. And Selimars. Oh and you're 53, born in 1966. Is that you? Yeah, that's Great me, stuff. Already. Well, Hendo was always one of my favourite guests in the podcast. So engaging. Thanks a million. The best luck with everything. We'll speak to you again soon. Thanks very much, Jamo. Still love that short boy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, man. Right? Cheers. Thank you. The best League of Ireland podcast in the business. This is Off The Ball. You're listening to the Off The Ball League of Ireland podcast with myself, Jamie Moore, with you on OffTheBall.com every Wednesday. Now, an interesting weekend in the SSE Artricity League with games in the Premier Division and the First Division. And we're also looking ahead, of course, to uh, three of the four FAI Cup quarterfinals this coming weekend on Friday, Saturday and Monday. But just to quickly recap the results from Friday of last week and Neil Fenn's opening game in charge of Cork City ended in a 4-2 defeat to Sligo Rovers. Romeo Parks gave Sligo the lead before Dan Casey equalised and Ronan Coughlin, the former Cork player, scored for Sligo just before halftime to make it 2-1. Parks got his second to make it 3-1 before an absolutely unbelievable strike from Shane Griffin. If you haven't seen it, You'll find it on the Cork City social media channels. Or just type Shane Griffin into Twitter and it'll come up. Brilliant goal in front of the shed end before Ronan Cochran grabbed his second to give Sligo Rovers an important 4-2 win. UCD nil Dundalk 5 Dundalk's second win over UCD in about four days. They won 3-0 in Oriel Park on Monday and 5-0 at the bowl on Friday. Not great defending by UCD. Uh, Dan Casey, or Dan Cleary, should I say, got two. Sean Hoare, Michael Duffy and former UCD man Georgie Kelly. Uh, two of those five goals came in the closing minutes. Waterford won, Derry City won, was the final score at the RSC. Junior Ogedi Ugasede gave uh, Waterford the lead before Michael O'Connor, sorry, gave Derry the lead before Michael O'Connor equalised just before the break in that game. Finn Harps against Impats postponed on Friday morning due to waterlogged pitch. That would have been Gerald Bryan's game in caretaker charge of the club, but of course, Stephen O'Donnell was named as the manager over the weekend and we'll hear from him in a few minutes' time on our League of Ireland podcast. And the Dublin Derby at Tallaght Stadium in front of an amazing crowd, really. It finished Rovers 1, Bohemians nil. the winning goal coming from Graham Burke after an unbelievable cross from Sean Kavanagh. Fantastic winning goal for Rovers scored by Graham Burke, which I described at Tallaght Stadium on Friday. Shamrock Rovers 1, Bohemians nil. the final score here in front of a record League of Ireland attendance at Tallaght Stadium. 7,021 fans were here to watch this Dublin derby. It was won in the 26th minute. Sean Kavanagh's perfect cross was headed in by Graham Burke. Burke then became the hero at the other end in the second half, heading Bohemians two best chances off the line. First a Dara Leahy shot and then Rob Corm well, but Burke was in the right place at the right time to deny Bowes that goal and a pointer in this game and of course it's the first time in eight meetings between the teams that uh, Shamrock Rovers have actually won this game seven Bowes wins and one draw in the last eight meetings so uh, a huge win for Shamrock Rovers and it keeps them within seven points of the league leaders Dundalk so with the Shamrock Rovers head coach Stephen Bradley after a 1-0 win over Bowes Stephen in front of the biggest ever League of Ireland crowd here in Tala 7,021 uh, how would you reflect on all of the above? Uh, first of all, fantastic uh, attendance. Uh, we thought we got a good crowd, and, and and we got you know, and the players responded. I felt first half we were ex- excellent. We controlled the game, dominated possession. It could have been two or three up, and, and second half we had to dig in and, and show a different side to us, and, and we did that. 
Yeah, we were just speaking there to Gary O'Neill and he was saying how windy it was and I was sitting right at the back of the press box and it's kind of enclosed by two walls and you could see it was windy but you couldn't feel it but he seemed to think that, that first half you got a good second half Bowes had it and yeah. that played an impact on the game Yeah, I think the strong wind definitely had an impact but I also feel our schedule caught up with us in the second half I felt we looked, we looked leggy and tired in the second half we had five games in 15 days and a lot of travelling and that so uh, I was afraid it was going to catch us at some point and it caught us in the second half but we showed a uh, tremendous character and togetherness to, to dig it out and get over the line. Yeah, we spoke on our podcast on Wednesday about Sean Cavanagh's deliveries and Jack Burns' deliveries being a massive plus for your team and Sean's cross for Graham Brooks' header was just perfect. Yeah, Sean's technically probably the best player in the league. Um, he can put a ball anywhere with that left foot and he's, his game intelligence is, is so high, you know, he sees gaps, he sees spaces and like you said, it was, it was right in Graham's head. I don't think Graham will be associated with the headed goals too much, but his, he was in the right place, his timing, and it was a really good finish. Yeah, but what Graham does, he scores goals. I think when he left out last time, he was, he's had 15 and was on course to be top scorer. And tonight he scores, he scores the win against Waterford. Uh, Graham scores goals. And he also stops goals at the other end. Two headers. I was watching the yellow boots because I couldn't see the number. And eventually he turned around because he stopped shots from Darryl Lee and Rob Cormod. And I was like, that's Graham Burke on the line, heading them off the line. Yeah, it was... Uh, it just shows what Graham's about, about his character. He's obviously a very, very good footballer, scores goals, but he buys into everything with the team, the defensive side, and uh, two great clearances. What type of words would you use to describe a crowd of over 7,000 here, the biggest ever League of Ireland attendance, and probably it could have been a little bit bigger, but they had to keep some segregation for security reasons between the fans on the far side? Yeah, it's special, isn't it? I think um, this crowd, uh, this club, that's what it's about. Uh, big nights, big games, and they come out with the numbers to show that in Europe. They travelled all over Europe with us, they travelled up and down the country and tonight they came out in the numbers and uh, it's a special night because they showed up and I felt the players responded to them. Yeah, it's the first time that kind of the stadium has been properly full since the new stand came in. There was a couple of attendances nearer, maybe over six, but to have it like so full and you could hear them before the match, I arrived up before kick-off and I was walking across the road and there were still thousands of people walking in and just and the same for both State over 1,200 as well. Like. Yeah, it was. I think it shows the potential that this league has. Um, and uh, if it's done right and uh, and the product on the pitch is good, you'll get the crowds. And, and tonight, like I said, they came in the numbers and, and we're delighted that we sent them home happy. Yeah, you could see the relief of everybody at the end, given it's an important three points, but also it's a win over balls for the first time in, in eight or, or, or nine games. That has to be you know, something you're very happy about, given everybody was talking about it, including me this week, being asked on the podcast about will it be another balls win and so on. Yeah, but I think, um, I think we... Uh, we have to understand that the, the last few results obviously haven't gone our way, but the performances haven't been too far off. We've watched the game back, we've analysed them, and they've been, the performance have been good. I know when you lose, everyone sees the, the doom and gloom, but as a coach and staff, you have to look back and really analyse the game, and we've been there or thereabouts. We obviously need to get a result to match that, and, and tonight we did that. So Dundalk won again tonight as well, so it's still seven points. you just got to keep chasing them, keep picking up points, and, and try and make it go as long as you can and, and see what happens. Yeah, we've got to win every game. I said that before this game. We've got to win every game and see where that takes us. It might not be enough, but we've got to win every game and see what happens. And Tonight, that was the talk on win every game, and, and we did that. And lastly, the FAI Cup is, is next on the agenda, and there's been debate this week about when all the games will happen. You know when your game will happen, and I'm sure you'll be hopeful to bring a big crowd to, to Galway, as you always do, and, and go and get into the semi-final. Yeah, we, we'll enjoy tonight. It's a derby win. It's a big win. Um, but Monday, it's all about preparing for Galway and how we beat them. I'm sure we get a big crowd down in Galway we always do and uh, it's about getting into the semi-final we've got to make sure we're prepared and, and focused and with the cup the way it is with 32 teams in it you know three or four wins you're at the Aviva effectively and, and I know you're not going to look by Galway but if you can win against the first division team you will be favourites you're a game from the Aviva and that's somewhere where, where Rose would love to be again for the first time in years yeah look we'll concentrate on Galway um, and we'll show Galway the respect they deserve uh, we'll focus on them from Monday onwards and, and uh, let's see what happens there next Friday Stephen, well done, thanks. Cheers, thanks, Jay. Yeah, that's the Shamrock Rovers head coach, Stephen Bradley. Unfortunately, due to the way it's set up in Tallis Stadium, the away team don't exit or enter through the same area as the home team. So when you're doing the mix zone after the games, it's very difficult to get both the home team and the away team. And by the time we did our, our Shamrock Rovers post-match, everybody from Bowles was gone. So and that's why we have no Bowles reaction. Um, in terms of uh, audio for this week's podcast from that game on Friday. There were also two games on Monday night. Another bad night at the office for Neil Fenn in the second game in charge of Cork at home. Second defeat in four days. They were beaten 2-1 by Waterford. Dar O'Connor gave Cork a brilliant lead. But two in the last ten minutes. One from Maxi Cogan and the other from Walter Figueroa. Gave Waterford a 2-1 win. And Neil Fenn very 
upset, shall we say, with his team's defending when speaking to the Cork City YouTube channel after that game. I'm sick of talking about positives. I think we need to just get down to the negatives and start saying what are the negatives. We need to we need to sort this out. And the defending is is, is shocking. And um, for, for, I think for the six goals we've conceded in my, in my two game in my two games, you know, it was just shocking defending all over. Was the counter attacking again, Cartfield? Yeah, I mean, counter attacking means you win the ball. We win the ball deep and counter attack, but they've won the ball higher. But we, we've gave the ball away. They haven't even won it. Um, and the first goal, I mean, a free header, six yards out, centre back. Like, that's criminal, criminal defending. You know, you, 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 you're, you're taught that as a as a young kid. You mark someone in the box. You don't leave anyone free in the box. That's just that's basic stuff. It's only been a week you've been in the job, though, so you can't be too hard on yourself at this stage. No, <laughs> I don't know. No, I mean, you know, it, it, the lads are the, the lads are. You know they are where they are in the league because because of whatever reason. You know whether it's whether it's just they're not good enough, whether it's whether they're low on confidence, whether um, they're not organised. I don't know whether they're not fit enough. Um, I'm not sure. It's been it's been hard for us, hard for me to assess it really. With I've only had probably two training sessions in between since I got here, so it's been it's been tough trying to trying to do any sort of shape. It's been it's been a little bit difficult like that with the games coming thick and fast. But you know you you, you wouldn't even really teach basic defending like that mark someone in the box so they can't hit it you know that's, that's just that's standard stuff the other game on Monday was Dundalk 2 Sligo Rovers nil in the showgrounds Dane Massey and Andy Boyle with the goals there and that means the league table Dundalk again 7 points clear they've played 29 matches they've 8 games left Shamrock Rovers on 64 points they have 7 games left so Dundalk still have a game in hand on that Bowles are in 3rd on 49 but the race for 3rd, 4th and 5th is very interesting now because Bowles are on 49 Derry on 47, both of those teams have played 30 matches. And St. Pat's, who didn't play at the weekend, are on 43. Just four points off Derry and six off Bowes with the game in hand of both of those teams. So that race for third and fourth could go right to the wire. Towards the bottom of the table, UCD still on the bottom. They're on 17 points. Finn Harps on 23. Cork City on 30. So with eight games left, Cork are only seven above that relegation promotion playoff spot. They'll be very hopeful to try and pick up some more points. You would think Sligo probably safe now after their win in Cork on 35. Waterford on 31 as well. We'll be looking over the shoulders as opposed to up the table as well. In the SSE Electricity League First Division, at Lone Town nil, Drodda United 2 was the result at Lone Town Stadium. Chris Lyons on the double in great form for Drodda this season. He got both of those goals for Tim Clancy's team. Galway against Limerick was also postponed due to the rain. It finished Shells nil, Bray nil in front of a great crowd at Talca Park. And the other game on Friday saw Longford beat Wexford by two goals to nil with Dara Doyle in caretaker charge. A really good win for Longford down there. In Wexford, the goals coming from Dean Byrne and Aaron Dobbs. And one game on Saturday... Cove won, Cabin Teeley won, Brian Murphy for Cove and Paul Fox for Cabo, the goal scorers in that game. So the first division, of course, no games this again with the FAI Cup, but there's only two games left now. Shelburne on top on 54 points after 25 matches. Drogheda are second on 51. And the next fixture in the SSE Electricity League first division is Drogheda against Shells at United Park on Friday week at 7.45. What a massive game that is. A huge, huge game for both clubs. Just a three-point difference. And Drogheda's goal difference is six better. So if Shells were to draw that game or win that game, they would win the league and go up as champions. But if Drogheda were to win, the teams would be level on points with Drogheda's goal difference better heading into the final weekend of the season. Shells will be at home to Limerick on the final Friday of the season while Drogheda away to Bray. So not easy games for either team, but it would be just really, really interesting if the Drogs were to win that game. They're in great form and will bring things to the final day of the season. If not, it'll be Shells as league champions and they'd be deserved if they did win it as well. Longford on 48 and Cabin Teeley on 44 in the playoff spots. Cabin Teeley are four ahead of Bray with two games left. So Bray unlikely to catch them. So uh, you would think it's Cabin Teeley in the playoffs along with Longford. The fixtures in the FAI Cup this weekend because it's an FAI Cup again. We have games on Friday, we have games on Saturday and we have games on Monday. Uh, the first game takes place uh, this coming Friday. It's the 6th of September. And it's Galway United taking on Shamrock Rovers. That game is at 7.45 down there in Eamon DC Park. And Rovers expected to bring a huge crowd down for that one. On Saturday, Sligo Rovers welcome UCD to the Sligo Showgrounds. That's also at a quarter to eight. And at one game on Monday, a strange night for an FAI Cup quarter final. But it's Waterford against Dundalk down in the RSC. That's also at a quarter to eight. And the other one will take place the following Friday, which is the 16th of September. That is going to... Sorry, the following Monday, should I say, September 16th. That's Crumlin against Bowes. Uh, no venue for that one just yet. I understand Crumlin want to play it in Captain's Roads, their home ground. But it could be in Richmond Park, the home of St. Pat's, because um, the Captain's Road may not be deemed to be 
good enough to host that game. And the reason that game is not this weekend is because Bohemians taking place in the Scottish Challenge Cup. They're playing Adrianians on Saturday. This coming Saturday, that game is at 1 o'clock. So that's the fixtures in the SSE at Trissy League Premier First Division and FAI Cup this weekend. And also the best of luck to Stephen Kenny and the Ireland under-21s as they continue uh, their quest to qualify for the European Championships. They're getting ready to uh, play a home game at Tala Stadium this coming Friday night yeah that game kicks off at 8 o'clock at Tallis Stadium on Friday it's Ireland against Armenia before they travel to play Sweden on Tuesday September 10th the best of luck to uh, Daryl Leahy Liam Scales and all the rest of the uh, League of Ireland based players in that squad as Stephen Kenny hopes to uh, lead the team towards the European Championships The best League of Ireland podcast in the business this is Off The Ball now it's been an interesting 24 hours for the Irish women's national team and the FAI after Ireland begun their Euro 2021 qualification campaign with a win at Tala last night on Tuesday with Tom O'Connor, Colin Bell's assistant manager as the interim manager of course Colin Bell moved to Huddersfield and O'Connor was in charge last night. We're going to hear from Tom in just a second plus former League of Ireland players Louise Quinn and Katie McCabe. They both now play for Arsenal but Louise spent a lot of her uh, League of Ireland career with P-Mount and Katie played for Rohini and Shelburne. They're both now playing for Arsenal. Both played in the game last night but earlier on today on Wednesday the FAI confirmed the appointment of a new manager a Dutch lady called Vera Pa as the new boss and we're going to hear from her. She's going to give us her first interview in a few minutes time but firstly my match report from last night and those interviews with Louise Quinn with Katie McCabe and with Tom O'Connor. Now I must stress these interviews were done before we knew that Vera Pa was the new manager. Ireland 2, Montenegro 0. The Ireland women's national team have begun their Euro 2021 qualification campaign with a victory here at Tallis Stadium. 3,423 fans turned up to cheer Tom O'Connor's team on with the Ireland senior boss Mick McCarthy and President Michael D. Higgins among them. The opening goal came at the 6th minute. Manchester City midfielder and player of the match Tyler Toland's shot from 25 yards went in via the post. The girls in green dominated the ball with goalkeeper Marie Hurran surely having one of the quietest nights of her career. But the second goal didn't arrive until the 69th minute and it came from the penalty spot. Tala native and captain Katie McCabe stepped up after a handball to put her penalty into the top corner and secure an opening night three points. Ireland's next game is back here at Tala next month against Ukraine who today lost 8-0 to group leaders Germany. Final score Ireland 2, Montenegro 0. But tougher test to wait as the girls in green look to qualify for their first ever major tournament. So with Ireland's Louise Quinn after tonight's win over Montenegro here at Tala Stadium. Massive crowd Louise on a clean sheet, two goals and three points to start off the campaign. Yeah, that's it. Three points, clean sheet. That was that was it. I think we would have wanted, a, you know, a better performance, a bit more of a clinical performance. But at the same time, they did. They they played low. They made the lines very very tight for us to to try play through. I think they they did actually defend very well. They were didn't you know didn't give us that much time on the ball when we were trying to play play forward and and definitely made it uh, difficult for us. But that's the thing we've got to we've got to learn how to improve on that and and want the ball more and be more comfortable on in those sort of uh, in those sort of games um but yeah listen three points take it from a defensive point of view have you ever had a quieter night in international football i don't think your goalkeeper Marie Herran touched the ball more than twice in the match and they had every player behind the ball for the whole match almost yeah i think so but I think I think my GPS is still saying that there was a lot of work done there, and you know that was it. I think a lot of shifting side to side. Sometimes there's a few transitions, um, you know, where where we maybe lost the ball, uh, silly. But I think I think that was it. It was a ch- it was a challenge for us as well. I think us as defenders, we we had to be on the on the ball a lot and try play, you know, try play into the forwards, play into you know the midfielders in the space because, you know, Katie Denise, they really get themselves into such good positions, and you you want to try find them. Um, you know as much as you can so it is that's definitely a, another challenge and um, but that's it we'll just we'll digest that and then you know that'll be it'll be a very interesting one to, to kind of review and look over and and just see where where we can pick things up um, but yeah that's it, it was it was it was it was really it was a tough game for us to try break that down we would have liked to lock it up quicker though you know one nil is a dodgy scoreline so is two nil um, but obviously at the back we did we did feel comfortable and had to stay switched on the whole time. Yeah, a really good start and three points is what you wanted. Germany have scored 18 goals and won both games. We know the top team goes through automatically and some of the top second teams will go through and the others will be in a playoff. So does it look already as if they're going to top and it's a, a shoot it with the other four for, for a second even though we are very early? I suppose, yeah, you can look at that in, in sort of the rankings but, you know, we're still going to we're still going to challenge. We know we need to we need to get some results. Um from Germany, um, you know we're not gonna, we're not just gonna let them run away with us. Absolutely not. Um, 
I think we just we 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 basically plan on taking those results. We're not going to just just because they've scored a lot of goals, they've still only just won two games. Um, you know, so that's that's going to be our intention as we keep going forward. You know, just keep picking up the three points. Obviously, the goals do matter. I think it's even just the in terms of confidence for the team and knowing that we can, we can get our get ourselves on the score sheet. But now, nah, listen, that's just because they've won two games doesn't uh, doesn't mean they're going to run away with it. But obviously, they're they're a top a top top team. And but you know, we we can we can play very well against those teams and have a and have a really good record against against the top teams. So um, yeah, listen, it's it's still all to play for. So with the Ireland captain and 79 minutes, 69 minutes on the clock and it's a penalty for Ireland, Katie McCabe and you step up, your team is 1-0 up, you're in your hometown Atala, you're playing against a team that wants to defend for their lives, what are you thinking in front of the South Stand with it? lots of young fans there watching, hoping to watch your penalty go in? Yeah, I mean, um, all I'm thinking is to score it, um, I really wanted us to, to get that breathing space in the game, uh, it was 1-0 for quite a long time and I feel like uh, we were creating chances to and breaking them down but we weren't quite getting it, uh, finishing it off but I'm happy obviously Denise done well to get the penalty and, and we finished it off. What does it feel like to score a goal for your country in a Euro qualifier in Tala? Oh, yeah, you can't beat it. It's a, it's a really special feeling. Obviously, growing up here and coming watching Rovers play. Um, I used to watch my brother playing in, at this ground, and it is really special having your friends and family in the crowd. And but for me, obviously, the job is to get uh, three points and obviously start this campaign the way uh, the way we wanted to. And I'm happy we got that done today. Yeah, over four thousand fans here, and there's still some of the screaming fans in the car park. And we're, we're after ten o'clock at night here, and love the way you guys spend time taking selfies and, and autographs on the side of the pitch, which doesn't really happen in, in like international football overly much, but. This support means a lot to you guys and a lot of the young people here boys and girls to cheer you on yeah no absolutely uh, we can hear them all throughout the game uh, screaming and shouting and we want to be able to, to get them here and perform for them and win uh, and score goals and, and want them to come back um, I think they've done they've done great uh, tonight obviously um, supporting us uh, so I'm hoping that support now continues for the rest of the campaign What's your assessment of the group so far, Katie? Germany are top, they've played twice, scored 18. Uh, they've beaten the team you played tonight 10-0, they beat the Ukraine 8-0 today, you played Ukraine at home next. So Germany are top, but what's your assessment of it all, given they've had two great wins and you're going to play Ukraine at home next? Yeah, I mean, like you can't fault Germany's quality. They've, they've won it all, really, haven't they? Um, but we won't be underestimating anyone, uh, whether that's the bottom seeds or the top seeds. Uh, we'll be taking each game as it comes and obviously Ukraine up next, so our, f our full focus will be analysing how we break them down and how to get the three points back here in Tallaght. Lastly, one thing is in your hands is your next game for Arsenal in the Champions League. It's a you know great start to the season for, for everybody, given that European football begins so quickly into the Women's Premier League season in the UK. So a word on that and uh, playing in the European uh, Europe's top competition, should I say? Oh, absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, obviously, we've West Ham up first on Sunday. Uh, that'll be really important to, to get our league uh, campaign back with three points, hopefully. Um, but yeah, the game against Fiorentina is going to be special. It's 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 important for us as a club at Arsenal. Um, that's where we want to be. That's where we want to compete and get those big trophies. Um, so it's yeah, it'll be a uh, it'll be a great game to look forward to. And we're here in Tallaght where you grew up playing football and you played in the Women's National League here. You've just captained your country to a win. You're going to play for Arsenal in the Women's Premier League in the Champions League. Do you have a moment to kind of? pinch yourself or, or look back and go I've come here from Tala and now I'm playing at the very top level in a week where you've got an international game a Premier League game and a Champions League game I guess I just I'm very lucky to to, to be able to do what I love um, obviously I've, I've always wanted to be a professional footballer but obviously that comes with hard work de dedication and, and sacrifice and, and that's what everyone um, so now I'm, I'm obviously delighted to, to, to be able to score tonight in, in my hometown um, get them three points and, and move on uh, to, to start an important league campaign now with Arsenal on Sunday Great stuff, Katie. Thank you, Minnie. Well done. Thank you. So with the Ireland interim manager, Tom O'Connor, after tonight's win over Montenegro on Tom, your team scored after six minutes. Really good start for you. Yeah, excellent. Um, again, it's what we were working for. You know, shoot. When the opportunity arises, shoot. That's what Tyler did, and it went in. Yeah, most of the first half, you had a lot of the ball. They, I counted, had like every player within 30 yards of their box for lots of the half. I'm sure you worked on it during the week, but did your players find it hard to break it down, given they were so defensive? They lost 10-0 to Germany, so they were coming here probably to keep the score down. Yeah, but let's look, they're the test. Every game, is. Uh, we played the USA, that was a test, and we played uh, tonight, and that was a different type of test. The, the test tonight was we, we were going to have lots and lots and lots of possession, and uh, can, can we transfer that into goals, or can we transfer it even into uh, goal-scoring opportunities? Yeah, I saw yourself and Stephen Rice, your assistant, were having conversations a lot at 1-0. What sort of things are you thinking as the manager at that stage when 
you're, I suppose, thinking you want to get the next goal, but also if the other team scores on a counter-attack, all of a sudden it's, it's a 1-1 when you, should, when you should really be ahead. Well, what we're, what we're doing is, what, what we did was that we looked at uh, how we could penetrate and, and it's just a li- it was just a little bit of tweaking with just one of our midfielders kept getting in the, the passing line of the ball into the striker. So we just had to uh, adjust that. So each time you look in, you're, you're just trying to rectify anything that needs to be rectified. Yeah, your team won a penalty in the second half and spoke to your captain, Katie McCabe, yesterday. She's from Tallis, she's the captain and she scored in front of 3,500 fans. I'm sure you had massive confidence in her, but a nice moment for her. Brilliant. Uh, she's great, great kid. That's how I, I, I would hope she doesn't give out about that. Um, massive confidence uh, leader, as you've seen. She wants the ball. She, you know, she, that's the way she always plays, regardless of who you're playing against. And we're delighted for her. No problem to her. Up, take the penalty and in front of her home home crowd yeah and we spoke about the crowd yesterday as well you know over 4,000 at some of the games last year this is the opening game to have 3,500 here on a Tuesday night and all the girls outside taking selfies and autographs is another great plus for, for the team yeah well that's I think the tonight's crowd is, uh, is on the back of the, the World Cup and, and the what do you call it the, what that has generated um, I, and, I think you, and I think you'll see that by more participation from young girls in the game so Germany are top, they won 10-0 and 8-0 already. Does it look like Ireland are already playing for, for second? I know that sounds strange after a couple of games, but the Germans are, are clearly the favourites and they've started very well. Well, look, I won't be telling you any lies. You, you have to be realistic. But um, the, the squad will get better, without a shadow of a doubt. And that's, I know, maybe a little bit of a hiccup tonight, but again, we won and it was a clean sheet. I know, Tom, you spoke at your press conference yesterday that you've been interviewed for the permanent job you've won the game tonight what's your understanding of what happens next with the next qualifier here against Ukraine next month uh, well we, we go back to the hotel tonight we dust ourselves down and then maybe tomorrow uh, there may be some movement on it on the situation do you want the job full time clearly the fact you've been interviewed suggests you do well because I've interviewed I think that tells a story but it's in the hands of the people that look after the association and you have to respect their decision uh, and that's the way I've always, I've always operated. And just lastly, is it important that a decision is made soon given the next qualifier is a month away and I'm sure everybody yourself, the players, the association will want to have a permanent person in place for that game and for the rest of the campaign so everybody knows where they are? Again, it's the, the powers to be will, will make that decision and I'm sure they're looking at the, the calendar and how quick the next game is coming up. Great stuff, Tom. Well done. Congratulations. Thanks very much. Much appreciated. So that was the Ireland interim manager Tom O'Connor and before him his players Katie McCabe and Louise Quinn after last night's Euro 2021 group qualification win over Montenegro at Tallis Stadium. And as you heard there, Tom did say there will be developments today and I was tweeting last night, I did think that O'Connor himself was going to get the job but he hasn't and the new manager is about to join us. The best League of Ireland podcast in the business. This is Off The Ball. Hey, it's Jamie Moore here. You're on the Off The Ball at League of Ireland podcast with you on OffTheBall.com every Wednesday. And I'm very happy to welcome the new manager of the Ireland women's national team to the show for the first time. She's a Dutch lady called Vera Paw. I hope I'm pronouncing her name correctly. Capped 89 times by Netherlands. Vera was the first Dutch woman to play professionally outside of Holland when she signed for Italian side Medina in 1988. The 56-year-old is, an also, is also an instructor with FIFA and UEFA and began her management career with Scotland in 1998 before she led Netherlands to the European Championship semi-finals in 2009. Since then, she's managed the national teams in Russia and South Africa and worked as an advisor to the Thailand FA as well. Paul also coached Houston Dash for a season in the United States. And she takes over from previous manager Colin Bell and in turn caretaker boss Tom O'Connor who led the girls in green to their opening Euro 2021 qualification win last night over Montenegro at Tallis Stadium. A 2-0 win, a game I was at the goals coming from Tyler Toland and the captain Katie McCabe. And I'm happy that Vera joins me on the phone now. Vera, welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm very well, thank you so much. So Vera, firstly, you're the new manager of the Ireland women's national team and I know you watched the game last night in Tala. You were hiding in the corner of the stand so we weren't able to find you or see you. So uh, how has the last week or so worked in the last few days? Because I'm sure you've been having conversations with Rude Doctor and the FAI and eventually you've, you've signed your, contact, your contract and agreed to become the new women's national team manager. Yeah, I must say I was really, really impressed about uh, the management of uh, FAI. How do you pronounce it? FAI. FAI, yes, the FAI. <laughs> I need to get into everything. Eh? Yeah, no problem. Um, but 
they really convinced me with their philosophy, with uh, what they want to achieve with women's football, um, the way they progress, the steps that um, Ireland has made. And I've seen Ireland playing, of course, in, in their qualification campaign for the World Cup and was really impressed, when, especially when they were playing the Netherlands. So it's a team that is um, really halfway the ladder and it's great to, uh, to take over a team that is already so well structured by uh, Colin and, and Tom and they've done really a tremendous job in getting the, the team where they are now. So for me, it's really exciting because um, we are going to build on that. And, and the players, there's enough talent, there's massive talent in this team. And especially there's such a great will to to make the next step. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that. Now, Vera, I mentioned that you're from Holland and the FAI High Performance Director, Rue Doctor, is also Dutch. What sort of influence did he have in bringing you into this job? Um, his influence was especially um, because of the philosophy that um, Ireland is now um, using in, in their football. Um, I've had many situations in which I had to convince um, my way of working and we're coming from the same school. So he did not have to convince me um, from a technical point of view because, um, well, we have the same ideas. And um, when I found out that the whole coach educational system and the other coaches are working in, in within that philosophy, um, the choice was easily made because that is just um, so so great to work in a, in a situation where people understand each other, where people have chosen for a certain style of of education, style of um, approaching the game, style style of uh, teaching players, and the pathway that is set uh, for players to learn and to grow from um, well from a youth player to an international top player and um, I'm really excited to be able to work into that environment because usually what I said usually I have to fight for every step that I want to take and now to get, now we will do that together yeah and I mentioned Vera that I spoke to the interim manager Tom O'Connor last night after the match and he did give an indication that there would be an announcement today I thought he might get the job, but clearly he hasn't. You've got the job. Is he going to be on your staff? And have you decided yet who'll be who'll be joining your your coaching staff? Um, we did not start the discussions uh, about that. There's one thing that I would like to mention. Everywhere I come, every country that I've coached, um, um, I've made sure that the development will go on after I leave. So uh, my staff will be built around that uh, people who will, after I leave, will um, bring the game um, to, the, to the next level, take over so that people can grow uh, during during my stay and um, that the structure will be consistent um, so that it's not falling apart, what happens in a lot of countries in women's football. Um, usually, I don't know yet if that's here, but usually the structure is very vulnerable. And um, by working in this way, in all the countries where I've worked, the next, um, uh, the next coach or next uh, staff has always built on where we were, and the team have always grown further. Like, um, well, the Netherlands is known after the semi-finals and being kicked out only four, t- four minutes after the end of extra time to reach the finals in the year of 2009. Um, the team has grown on, and now uh, we're the finalists of the World Cup. And South Africa, after reaching the Olympics, they now went to the World Cup. Um, Scotland went went on and have now uh, reached the European uh, Championships. And um, it's only go- growing and growing. So I'm very proud of leaving structures. And uh, the decisions will be made around that. That island, also island, will grow further when I leave. Yeah. And the, the personnel, we've not spoken about yet. Yeah, We've and only spoken about the principles of that. Yeah, Vera, and I was going to ask you to give us an overview of, of your career in the different countries you've worked in, but you've given us quite a good one there in terms of Russia and South Africa and obviously your home country, Netherlands, and some time in America as well. What do you know, Vera, about Irish football and about this Irish team? And, you know, we've spoken in the last couple of years on our podcast here and on our, our, our programmes about the growth of women's football in Ireland, the growth of the League of Ireland and the hopes of this Ireland senior team to make their first ever major tournament. But when you're coming into the job now as a, as a new person to the country, what do you know about Irish football? Um, I've been discussing um, Irish football in length, um, not only with Ruth, but also with the president and the CEO. 
And um, with Sue Ronan, we will work together on getting the team to uh, another, the whole football on another level and to connect the development programs to the programs of the national teams. Initially, of course, the youth teams and from there to, to the international team. So I've been diving into the structures. Um, and of course, all the ins and outs and people I do not know yet, but um, we're going to, the first things we're going to do is get all the coaches in. Um, I'm going to visit all the clubs, and Sue Ronan is going to help me to dive into the history of the game because that is really important to make the right decisions at the right moment. And um, we go from there. But th- that is the, the way that I always do. And um, the history and the culture of a country is, for me, the starting point of working. Yeah, and of course... Vera mentioned there, Sue Ronan, uh, former Ireland women's national team manager herself and head of women's football in the FAI as well. And Vera, you were asked the match last night, a victory for the girls in green, early goal and then a late goal or a penalty from Katie McKay with, with 20 minutes left. Now Montenegro had lost 10-0 to Germany at the weekend, so we were hopeful for a big Irish scoreline, but the girls we spoke to Louise Quinn and Katie McCabe afterwards and they said you know, they wanted to win the game and keep a clean sheet and get the three points and that's what they did. You watched the game from the stands, what did you make of your new team in action? And that they are very, very talented and they can only grow from here. The key point in this situation was to get the three points. And the whole staff and players have done tremendously and prepared so professionally for this game. Um, and I mean, it's tremendous to start off with three points. And from there, we're going to build. I'm going to analyze the game and analyze the, the players, uh, talk a lot about the people who know them more. And from there, we, we, we will build. Yeah, I was actually over in Abbottstown just interviewing Mick McCarthy and Seamus Coleman and watching the senior men's team train, Vera, when the press release came out to say that you were the new manager. And one quote was, I'm very excited at the prospect of managing the Republic of Ireland women's national team for the remainder of this European Championship campaign. And I believe we can achieve very positive results together. And Ireland have never made a major European Championships or a World Cup, Vera, in, in their time in international women's football and almost made the playoffs in the last World Cup campaign under Colin Bell. And we saw how fantastic how fantastic the Women's World Cup was over the summer. So your ambition, and I'm sure your job spec, has to be to try and bring the girls to one of these tournaments in the coming years. Yeah, of course, that's the the main aim. And what I said, uh, Colin and Tom have done a tremendous job with the team. So we're really starting with where we are now, and we're not going to turn everything upside down, because why would you do that when a team is on the development in such a great way? Um, so, So... That's the situation at this moment, and uh, I had already uh, a meeting with the key players, um, already meetings with uh, the doctor, of course, and with the management. Uh, Sharon and I will speak this afternoon, and uh, from there we are going to uh, to make um, quick decisions because the Ukraine game is on the on the doorstep. Uh, it's only three weeks from now that we have to uh, camp again. And that is immediately the key game in the whole campaign because it's Ukraine home. And um, you need to get a positive result in those games of Ukraine. So it's either a draw and a win or two wins. But we need to get to take over Ukraine. And um, then we can see what we can do there against uh, Germany. Yeah, myself and Vera as well, speaking on Wednesday afternoon before her first press conference. So thanks to the FBI for giving us access to Vera on the phone before she actually meets uh, the rest of the media for the first time. And uh, Vera, just our last couple of questions. I appreciate you've got lots to do this afternoon. There's been lots of, of stuff involving the FAI in recent times off the pitch and, and lots of negative headlines, Vera. But, but on the pitch, the men's national team, the women's team, the underage teams about men's and women's have been doing very, very well. But the fact that there has been lots of stories away from football, was that ever in your head in, in terms of making your decision to come? Or, you know, just because the football is, is quite good at the moment, was that the only thing you were, you were thinking about? Because the FAI has been in a bit of a storm over the last while. The reason why I decided to, to, to sign, to come, is because the management was extremely honest about the situation of um, the, the association at this moment and about the, the, the state of Irish football, Irish women's football, and where, where improvement needs to be made and why they wanted me to, to, to lead the process for the international team. And um, so they did not make it uh, any better than it is. They were very open and showed me what was happening in the uh, within the association and around the association, and um, that actually made builded the trust for me to to step into it. 
And Vera, of course, your job is to manage the women's national team, but I'm sure it's also to develop women's football in the country. And, you know, we've seen in recent years the growth of, of women's sport in Ireland and in the world, really. And, you know, last night at the game, over 4,000 fans there again. And I love after the games when the players take time to, to stand, you know, at the side of the pitch and take selfies and take autographs and speak to the young girls. Mm -hmm. And I left the stadium last night, maybe around a quarter to 11, having done the media, and there were still maybe 15 or 20 young girls with their parents standing in the car park in the dark waiting to meet the players and get their autographs and get some photos and that's a you know I got a real sense of, of what football means to those young girls I know it means a lot to you as well you've worked in this game for a long time and I'm sure that's something you're excited about as well to bring hopefully a successful Irish team to Tala Stadium for these young girls and boys and their parents and, and the wider football public to cheer you on of course that's the ultimate uh, that you can reach that the little girls are excited to see their heroes the heroines and to get close to them and i think that is the big difference between men's football and women's football is that the female players are always available for the young girls and whatever it takes um the time that it takes it doesn't matter female players are always there because they feel the responsibility for the future stars and uh, to inspire little girls to enjoy football and to enjoy uh, being in sport and being in the structures of sport. So um, I will give uh, always um, the space for, for fans, for uh, especially the little girls. Um, you cannot have enough of them in the stands. And it was exciting to see the numbers that came out last night, and especially not only the numbers, but the atmosphere around the game. It was just amazing to feel. And Vera, lastly, you've lived in lots of places around the world. You're from Holland. You've obviously lived there. You've lived as well when you managed Scotland, also Russia, South Africa. You've done some work for the Thailand FA, spending some time there too. And you've lived in America and now you're moving to Ireland. So you've lived in, in lots of places around the world. You've only just landed this afternoon, but I'm not sure if you've been to this country before, but what do you expect from, from living here? You know, you're going to have to move here. You're going to work for the <laughs> FAIHU in Abbottstown and live here in Dublin. I expect a lot of rain and a lot of wind. Yes, <laughs> I'm sorry about that. Part of, that's part of Ireland. And I'm used to that for the years that I was working in Scotland. And it never, ever bothered me. So I'm looking forward to the beautiful sceneries that I found on the Internet. Um, I visited Ireland many times, but always related to football. So I've not seen much of the country, but um, I really plan to do so because what I've seen on the Internet is just an amazing scenery and, and I will really look, look forward to, to go there. Great stuff. Uh, Vera Pau, is it Pau? Am, am I pronouncing that correctly, Vera? Oh, it's actually Pau. Pau, Vera Pau. Okay, oh, I, I should, okay, I should have asked you that at the start. So I will tell all of our journalists here on Off The Ball, it's Vera Pau, the new Ireland Women's National Team Manager. Vera, thank you so much for your time. Enjoy your press conference this afternoon and the best thank of luck. We'll you. see you at your first game uh, in, a, in a few weeks' time at Tallis Stadium against Ukraine. Thanks a million, Vera. Thank you, and thank you for having me on your show. Cheers. Thanks very much. Bye. That is it for another week on the Off The Ball League of Ireland podcast. Thank you very much for listening and to all of our guests. Vera Powell, as you just heard there, I got her name right eventually, so thanks to Vera for correcting me on that. We also heard from Louise Quinn, Katie McCabe, Tom O'Connor, Stephen Bradley, Neil Fenn, and that exclusive chat with Stephen Henderson about the introduction of this new League Managers Association. That's all in full in the podcast section of offtheball.com. And we will see you next Wednesday, folks. Wednesday? 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 Next Wednesday, folks. Bye-bye. Off The Ball's League of Ireland podcast.